Hello and welcome to episode two of the Buffy Retro Review. And today we're going to be jumping into episode seven of season one, Angel. Quite an important episode for the series um, as a whole, really. And joining me, as always, on our Buffy adventure is Sam Carmichael. Hello, Sam. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad, you know, dodging the Omicron variant the best I can. <laughs> yeah, just staying at, staying at home and trying to avoid the outside world. But... That's what I've been doing for 40 odd years, but <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I'm doing it for a reason. But uh, yeah, episode seven. So have you watched any of the other episodes or did you, or have you skip straight to the episode we're covering today? Uh, I skipped straight to it, uh, just so that my mind was fresh on the episode we're talking about. Uh, but um, I can kind of vaguely remember like what happened up to that one, vaguely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I just jumped straight into that episode, as I say. I do, I do watch Buffy quite regularly, so my memory of episodes is pretty good. And anybody who listens to Podding Ain't Easy when I've got more than one episode to do. I do tend to get quite confused. So <laughs> it's best as I thought I'll just stick to the episode at hand. Yeah, you'll start talking about the other episodes and it's like, oh wait, that's not that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's so um getting straight into things. Um we start off with uh the the, the, um, I think the master getting quite upset that uh, Buffy's taken out quite a lot of his henchmen, which is good for the hero, but I suppose not so good from his point. And uh, we also see uh, Darla. I think that this is the first time we see her since uh, the first episode, if my memory serves me correctly. And also another new player, um, Colin, or the Anointed One. What can you remember about uh, the Anointed One, Sam? I just remember that um, he's like this young, like ch- he looks like this young child, and he's meant to be like the like the ultimate weapon, I think. Uh, and um, like, I just think it's so funny how he's just like, yeah, let's just destroy everyone let's just destroy the slayer 
and it's like this really young child just talking about like killing someone is actually quite comical yeah it, it, it's quite <laughs> quite funny and uh yeah he, he sort of um i think he debuted on never kill a boy on the on the first date and He's supposed to be this chosen one in a prophecy that will eventually lead the Slayer to the Master, which uh, actually does take place eventually. But we'll, we'll get to that when we when we get to that. But yeah, he's like a cutesy little child, and he's sort of distorted voice, so his his voice sounds sort of demonic, which is uh, quite cool. And yeah, the Master decides to send the Frey. I mean, some serious branding issues there. I mean, surely they could have come up with a better name for um than the free. Yeah, that's true. I love the transition into seeing the three because it starts off with those, like three uh, pretty tough guys, and you're like, oh, is this the three? But then it's like, oh no, the three are actually behind them, and they walk into the into the frame, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You think you think you're seeing them, and then no, it's not them. It's some sort of like kind of they they've got like sort of partial armor, aren't they? They're dressed like they're from quite a long time ago. Yeah, and I'm kind of like disappointed because I thought like they kind of like build these guys up as being these ultimate warriors, and they don't really do much, and I would kind of want them to do more. Yeah, I know. I mean, they've got very brief screen time, and um, well, I suppose there's a reason for that because we're 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 setting up something far more sort of potent and important, I suppose, in the long run. Uh, we catch Buffy and the and the gang in the um, in the bronze. Buffy's sort of moping about because she's not having much luck with the boys, and she's kind of. Uh, Sort of fancy an angel, which you can't blame her for, to be honest. Yeah, although I don't know if it's all that realistic, though, because, you know, seeing a Michelle Gellar, Buffy is very, very attractive, but I can't imagine her having uh, any trouble when it comes to boys. True, true, but, you know, when you've got your heart set on somebody and he's this tall, mysterious stranger who you, you rarely see, uh, I suppose that could make things a little bit awkward. And uh, she doesn't even know the half of it yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, then, and then we have uh, Xander making a fool of himself on the dance floor, which is all too close to home for my like. <laughs> when I get a bit <laughs> tipsy on the dance floor. <clears throat> <laughs> but the, la- the less said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Xander really has his chance to uh, play up the comedy, especially when it comes to Buffy and Angel. Uh, I just there were so many moments that he it was always these like uh, one-liners he had, and it's just his delivery is just great. It just makes you chuckle. Yeah, he's so good, and you wouldn't have thought before he took on Buffy, he had very limited acting credentials as well. Uh, he was a sort of a failed baseball player, I think, because of a, an injury sort of sidelined him, so he went into acting as like a second gig, and I think Buffy was one of his first jobs, if not the first, but you, wow. you, wouldn't, but you wouldn't know it from you know his performance. Yeah, exactly, because 
that gig lasted him so long and I think it's one of the most uh, that's one of his most known roles as well so yeah it's surprising to think that he wasn't you know you know into acting before before Buffy yeah it's sort of something he kind of stumbled in on I guess but yeah he sort of on the dance floor he sort of bumps into Cordelia and they have a few a few words I mean in hindsight it's clearly fancied each other they're just too nasty to each other aren't they (laughs) yeah there's that there's that tension between them you don't know you know it's either going to be a love-hate situation but uh Buffy decides to leave the club early and on her way home on her own she gets jumped by the three. I like a little line which says, look, I don't want to fight all three of you unless I have to. <laughs> yeah, I love that she can have her uh, her wit as well. You know, she's not completely deadpan. So I like that she also is able to have those little quirky moments. Yeah, it's almost it's quite a strange juxtaposition in a way because although she doesn't really want to be the Slayer, she's still super confident in her own abilities. As you can see, she you know she's got three tough vampires ganging up on her, and at first she doesn't sort of bat an eyelid; she just starts kicking their asses. But unfortunately, she does get a little bit overwhelmed, and just as it looks like one of the vampires is going to bite her we go into the um sort of credit bits and as we open back up into the sort of show proper who comes to save the day angel just in the nick of time he's there and yeah they're both sort of fend them off and run for their lives basically yeah and angel is a little worse for wear yeah, he gets, um, does he get hit by like a weapon of some description in the, uh, in his torso? Mm-hmm. And either way, because we still don't realise he's a vampire at this point, Buffy sort of says, quick, inside, as an invite to him in, just as he's running through the door. So mm-hmm. I thought that was quite a clever little touch there. Yeah, because it kind of still has Angel shrouded in mystery, and it's, one of those little lines that if you aren't looking for it, you're not going to like think anything of it. So yeah, it's a nice wee touch. And it just saves them from how was, how was he allowed into his, into a house when he needs to be invited? So the invite is, is there if you go back to look for it, mm-hmm. you know, some people do because they like to pick these things, pick these things apart. Mm-hmm. So, so conveniently, um, you know, he's wounded, and Buffy says, "I just take off your your shirt and top." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love the little moment where um, she kind of ogles him a little bit, <laughs> and you know, it's like that teenage kind of starstruck kind of like um, thing where she is just kind of you know blown away by how good looking he is. Yeah, I think sort of human form, he's got to be close to 10 years as senior as 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 human, I would imagine, somewhere in that area. Because mm-hmm. she, she's 16, he's got to be pushing about 24, 25, you would imagine. But uh, obviously, it's, it ends up being a, a few more years than that. 
Yeah, let's let's not go into the logistics of beaches because then it just gets a little uncomfortable <laughs> for some people. But yeah, but um, Buffy's mum uh, arrives home, and so Buffy awkwardly tries to to make uh, an excuse to who Angel is and why he's there. And although although Joyce goes along with it, you can sort of tell she's not really believing them, which I think which is I think is a nice touch. I mean, Joyce clearly isn't uh, an idiot. Yeah, she's definitely got her wits about her, which is which is great because you can think of in other like maybe CW TV shows where the parents are just like clueless to all the hijinks that their kids are getting up to. So it's good that uh, she seems to be more um, witty and she's like kind of in the know. Yeah, apart from the whole vampire business. But uh, mm. I imagine once you find out, which is a lot, a lot later on, she could probably mm-hmm. think, actually, this all kind of makes sense. Yeah, and she, I think it's um, also a part where she knows what it's like to be a teenage girl. Uh, so she's probably kind of putting two and two together, thinking, mm, you know. And again, Buffy, the Buffy, they do the whole uh, pretend he's leaving routine, which mm-hmm. again, I dare say, doesn't really fool anybody, to be honest, do they? Because <laughs> they're certainly both loud enough going up the stairs anyway. Yeah, and even when they're talking, they are talking quite loud. It's like, I think your mum's in the next room. Maybe want to quiet it down a bit. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose they have to for our sakes as, as viewers. So that's one, <laughs> of those, that's one of those things you sort of just have to sort of, uh, let, sort of let go. But yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like, I like the fact that Angel is actually the perfect gentleman when she asks him to look away when she's changing. He doesn't act, he doesn't even try to sneak a glance, to be fair, to him until mm-hmm. uh, until she starts talking to him. And uh, he even takes the floor. And, yeah, he's, a, he's such a good boy, which, according to Xander later on, is, is a, the oldest trick in the book, because obviously he's quite jealous because he's got a bit of a crush on Buffy and himself. Yeah, and you can just tell that um, Xander is just trying everything he can to you know um try and steer Buffy in a different direction but I don't think it's happening I think he, he probably knows in his heart of hearts he's he's no competition for for Angel mm-hmm. <laughs> bless him <laughs> but uh yeah it's cool and um Giles sort of tells her about um the free being um quite badass that she must be getting under the master's skin if he's if he's sending the free after her and uh, I quite like a comment by Willa like you always know this stuff how do you know everything it's like, well you weren't here from midnight to six researching <laughs> uh, I love Giles and just like his delivery and uh, his lines are just they're just great <laughs> Yeah, he's so dry and deadpan. It's, yeah. It just suits suits the character perfectly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this watching it doesn't sound easy, does it? I mean, that's a lot of time researching. But look at that for a game of soldiers. <laughs> I know. It's just, and it's, it's like you think they're, you know, start to think, is he not meant to have like an actual job in the library? You know, it's like, what, what, what about? his actual job <laughs> it's like i don't think the school board are very happy with him at this point you know you're bringing in all these boots about vampires and you've got 
weapons in there hiding away. So hopefully the board don't come in for an inspection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if they had an audit in the library, it'd be in all sorts of trouble, would not they? Oh, yes. <laughs> but we love it. I love I love it that it's like a, a running gag throughout the first three seasons that you hardly ever see anybody else in the library as well. Yeah, although to be fair, um, I think that's actually quite you know reasonably accurate for a American high school that people just don't bother going to the library. <laughs> I, I, w- I wouldn't like to to comment too much on that. You can ima- you can imagine it, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more more relatable nowadays because everyone can just go on Google and look up things there, whereas back in the nineties, not so much. No, no, uh, you you did have the internet, but you had to wait about half an hour for it to connect to anything in, in dial-up days. The joys. <laughs> do not miss those times at all but 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 back then that was you know that was cutting edge technology yeah run around with a phone that was the size of a brick <laughs> doubles as communication and a weapon exactly exactly <laughs> and uh yeah we we sort of go back to the master in his layer and uh as giles sort of said before that they are offering themselves in penance because they they failed to kill the slayer and uh, there's a nice little bit of fun dialogue between the master and colin again as he he hands um Dala like a quite a, like a long wooden staff kind of thing, and he tells um, he tells Colin, look, you see, this they f- they failed, but their their deaths would bring me little joy. <laughs> but sometimes a little is enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just has these great lines, and also the delivery of it, and it's just like so comedic. And it's great because I don't think you have enough villains that are like that. You know, there's like so many villains you can think of that are just far too serious and they don't have those little moments just to, you know, kind of be funny and comical. Yeah, and he manages to pull it off without losing any of the creepiness and uh, veering into to campness, which can happen. Not that there's anything wrong with being camp, but it you know it, it doesn't suit uh, an evil conquering vampire. So he do, he does a, he does a good job of walking that fine line of creepy and uh, comedic, I think. Yeah, because he's still quite intimidating as well, and. You know, if, if like if you look at Spider-Man, for example, the Green Goblin, that was kind of taking it a little too far in the comedic side. Um, but with here, yeah, as you say, it definitely walks that fine line. Yeah, definitely. And then we go back to uh, here. Giles puts a, a little sign out saying library closed and they're going to have a, a bit of a education with the weapons. I like the fact Buffy wants to go straight to uh, the crossbow, but Giles is pretty insistent that they've uh, got to start with the basics of the court staff. And uh, yeah, Buffy sort of cleans his clock in about two seconds. <laughs> he's like this back and he's like, yeah, yeah t- time for the crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's making me wonder where she got that training from originally, or is that just something that slayers are just born with? Yeah, it, it could be like a, a natural instinct. You, you'd think you get 
a bit of that as well as um, the super strength for Napoli fans. So mm-hmm. maybe there is a bit of a, a natural sort of instinct there for these things. And you know, mm-hmm. Giles thinks it's going to take her ages to learn it. And she's just like, no, I can do this. Although you do feel a little bit for Giles getting his, his backside whip. <laughs> for Giles. <laughs> it won't be for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he always gets himself back up. But um, this is one of the the things you do tend to notice when you watch Buffy multiple times like me. And you, you, you can kind of see when the, when the stunt double's standing in, unfortunately. Although there is a sort of likeness between Sarah Michelle Gellin and her stunt double. She, the stunt mm-hmm. double is a bit bigger and... I don't. Yeah, I don't you really. You probably don't really catch it the first couple of watches, but as I say, when yeah, you've watched these things as much as I do, you you, you can kind of notice these things. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's something you've ever picked up on. Uh, I think sometimes it can be quite noticeable. Um, if for example, like if you if you get like a gla- a glance of like maybe a side face, and you can just tell instantly that's not the same person, <laughs> but um. <laughs> But yeah, I think if it's only like slightly, like maybe someone's slightly different, like slightly bigger, slightly smaller or something, I don't usually notice it. Um, but I think you're right. Like if you watch it multiple times, you can, you can kind of, you know, tell, tell these things sometimes. Uh, here's a question: Are you are you watch are you watching it on like a streaming platform like Disney Plus or, or something like that or are you watching it from DVD just out of interest I'm watching it on Disney Plus cool so what do, what do you think about the fact they've sort of um, given it a HD sort of um, makeover remodel do you, do you think it does an okay job because there was a lot of, I remember when they first did it had a lot of controversy about it like they they'd left things where you could see camera people in the background or something because they'd gone widescreen and uh, some of the lighting was a bit off. But Mm. I think think it's obviously... Sorry. Um, I think it actually looks um, all right. I think it looks pretty good, especially with the the, uh, effects on the vampires and things like that. I think it looks really good. Um, But I haven't noticed any cameramen. Although I have only watched the the three episodes that we've covered so far, um, but yeah, I think it actually still looks quite good. And um, yeah, uh, like I said, the the effects are are also really really good. But that but they've always been really good, and it's just good to see it in like a higher definition. Because sometimes what can happen when you try and up the high definition, sometimes if it's practical effects, it can look more like an effect and less like it's really there but I think it actually looked really good um considering yeah I think they did go back in and and redo things a, a, a little bit at some point but yeah I think it looks I think it's pretty good and yeah the effects they, they held up reasonably well to be honest considering mm-hmm. that it's what pushing 25 years old now this uh first series yeah, yeah. It's like even when the vampires get dusted, um, it still looks quite good and doesn't look, you know, like a, you know, like a crappy effect, you know, that seems to be like on top of the screen almost. Because uh, sometimes if you watch like older films, it looks like the effects are like on top 
of the recorded stuff instead of actually there. So it was quite good. Yeah, well, I think sometimes uh, they'll go in and try and touch up the effects a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to bring them up to date, and that doesn't always work. And it'll be mm. kind of interesting to see how the vampire dust and effects looks as we move in deeper into seasons, because they mm-hmm. um, they do sort of change the effect up, don't they, a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see, but um, nothing at the moment has stood out for me. Uh, like when I've been watching it, I've not been like, oh, that looks weird or that looks different. So I think as long as you know the fans, when they watch it, they don't seem out of place it doesn't jar too much and i think it should be okay yeah yeah so so far it seems pretty pretty all right to me i have to say so uh, yeah we go back to to buffy's house and angel is still there disgusting behavior <laughs> and uh, there's a bit of a misunderstanding where she thinks she's been reading her diary which is quite which is quite funny hunk, hunk could mean something bad and, and hey he doesn't even stand for age oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was quite comical uh i think it definitely gave sarah michelle geller a chance to show her comedic prowess um which i thought was really good and the delivery of it and the timing was great. Yeah, I was always surprised she never went on to sort of more. I know she did do acting roles after Puffy, but I thought she might have got, a, you know, a teeth into more juicier roles because I always thought she was really good. But uh, I don't know, it never really sort of materialised for her, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because I think she was able to, with the whole series, kind of show her range as well from going. She could be comedic, she can do the action, uh, she can do the dramatic stuff, she can even sing as well, we were able to see. And, mm. you know, it just seems like she was overall a very strong uh, actress. So it's strange that, you know, her career didn't, you know, take off after Buffy, considering she was, like, the, the main role for seven years. So, yeah, it's quite... It, it makes you start think if that was more of a personal choice. You know, she'd been doing acting for so long and maybe she wanted to do other things and things like that. I mean, I can't remember what it was called, but she did do a series that got cancelled where she played uh, twins, um, one that sort of mysteriously disappeared or something. I forgot what it was called. And then sort of came back and started upsetting everybody upsetting the one twin's life because a lot of people didn't realise she had this twin sister and it started off all right but um, I, I, you know her and Sarah Michelle's, Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance was good but as a whole I don't, I don't think the season really had the writing and the legs unfortunately. Yeah and that's always a shame because uh, it doesn't matter how good your actors are if they've not got the script to back, to back it up then you know you're not going to get as big of an impact. Because, like, Barinas has done well for himself. He was on Bones for a fair few years. That was pretty successful. And he's done a few other things as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He got quite a lot. And he also did the Angel spin-off as well. Mm. So, yeah, his career pretty much, you know, went really well. 
which if anybody is listening that needs a hd makeover as well at some point because i find it amazing that they've done buffy and they've not done angel or maybe buffy was slightly more popular but i think angel was you know wasn't too far behind so i find it quite um strange that they've not bothered to do that one yeah and a lot of people if they're watching buffy when it gets to the point when angel came out some there was some crossover with with angel and yes buffy, so you would think that they would do the same for angel and you know touch it up if people would be you know going back between the two but anyway getting but anyway getting back to the show at hand Buffy and Angel you could cut the sexual tension with a knife and they get the smoochies on and then we see Angel's hideous vampire face for the, for the first time and this is the big reveal that uh, he's been a vampire all along do, do you remember when you first saw this? yeah um I think for me it was more like I felt they made him, even in his vampire face, they made him still better looking than all the other vampires. Like they didn't give him as many, like, see the dark, like the lines in the forehead. I don't think they gave him as many as, say, like Darla has. Yeah, I I think they did. I think they did tone Darla's back down a bit when they brought her back for Angel. And. Spike and Drusilla are another good examples that they don't quite get the yeah the, the hideousness of some of the other characters, but I suppose because mm-hmm. they're sort of not quite well. Spike did become a principal cast member, and Drusilla mm. guest guest star quite frequently. So they sort of they got the the better end of the uh, the deal with their with their makeup. Yeah, and um, I also think maybe because they're fan favourites as well they don't make them as grotesque. <laughs> but yeah, when I, when I first saw it, it was a real surprise. I didn't see Angel being a vampire coming, actually. It was um, mm. a definite shot to the system. Not quite the biggest shock. I think the biggest shock was something that happens in season two, which I'm sure we'll, we will cover at some point. But yeah, I like the way he sort of dives out the window and sort of... <laughs> got us down in a bit of a panic <laughs> yeah uh i think for for me when it came to the reveal it was a bit of a shock but um it's kind of it kind of for me kind of made sense because when i watched it it was after it came out it wasn't as it was airing um because it just kind of seemed like the kind of like forbidden romance kind of trope where, of course, if they were going to have the Slayer fall in love with someone, it would be the thing that she's meant to slay. So uh, I think when I thought about it in that sense, it, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you can look back in hindsight and think, yeah, it was, it was obvious all along, but um, mm-hmm. they, they do it quite well, and I was a bit younger and naive when I was watching it for the first time so I didn't always pick up on these sort of things like mm-hmm. like I might do now or I like to think I, I do now anyway <laughs> but uh, yeah she she screams uh, she does her best impression of me when I see a spider <laughs> same same I thought that's what she was going to say to her mum oh I just seen a spider because uh, that's what I would have gone with <laughs> 
Uh, the scream like that is definitely, especially when you see those giant house spiders around about October, November. Oh, just down. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm glad my partner's there and he, he loves spiders. He thinks they're little spider buddies. So he'll just be like, here we go, little buddy. We'll just take you outside. And I'm like, Satan, get away. <laughs> well, I find one at work and I had to go out and volunteer to, to move it. I was like, just you're just going to have to get rid of it because... The, the one thing is, if a customer sees it, they're going to expect me to deal with it, and you know <laughs> that's not that's just not going to happen. So I've got to get it. I've got to get it removed there and then. <laughs> oh, I feel you. I feel... <laughs> That'd be the same. Bloody things. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So Buffy tells her mum she just saw a shadow, and uh, I don't know if Joyce believes her or not. But uh, there we are, and. Um, yeah, we kind of see the the complex relationship between Dala and Angel, don't we? Which is really sort of cool to to see, and of course that's expanded on in uh, the Angel um, the Angel series later on. But uh, she comes to sort of visit him in a in his home. Quite a weird sort of setup, even even for a vampire. He seems to have these weird sort of ornaments and and stuff there's like this weird thing in a case uh, maybe he likes to collect things i don't know but yeah it's a little bit of a a bit a little bit like a a hole really isn't it not much of anything but i suppose as a vampire he probably doesn't earn a lot of money don't know what job you can do as a vampire really yeah probably maybe grave digger or something i i honestly have no clue (laughs) Something with nature. But uh, yeah, she's there and he goes, oh, Catholic school girls now, is it? Referring to how she's sort of dressed. And last time I saw you, it was kimonos. Which is, which is um, you don't really think much of hearing it for the first time. But when you know in like flashback episodes later on in the Angel series, he's sort of, they sort of uh, last time he sees her is at the, in the box, during the Boxer Rebellion in uh, China, where she's wearing kimonos and stuff so i like the way they sort of remember that and and fit it all in yeah it just seems like such a great way to kind of like storytelling and being able to kind of make it all fit together and uh even though it's in a spin-off series itself feel it just makes it feel as though it's the same writing team that are so kind of carrying on uh, elements that have started off in Buffy. Yeah, definitely. And Darla's sort of trying to convince Angel to come back to the fold and uh, join her and the master. And uh, she goes, you're not like one of them. And he goes, well, I'm not exactly like one of you either. And then she opens the fridge and he's got all this blood in there. <laughs> Hardly living off a quiche, she says. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it could have it could have been worse. He could have done the twilight route and fed off animals. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he gets his supply from from somewhere. So he's 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 got he's got. I think we see. Uh, I think season two was the flashbacks. He he's got. Uh, he's got himself sort of sorted out to an extent. Yeah, and I think you know. Uh, it's uh, kind of like if he can sustain himself uh, through ways that means he's not killing anyone, then, you know, 
that should work. That should be okay. But yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not really in an envious position, is he? He's. He's he's not human, but he, he doesn't really fit in with his own kind anymore either. So he he's kind of he's kind of got no one in a way, has he? It's uh, a very lonely life. But as we learn more about him as uh, episodes and seasons developed, he's <laughs> it's hard to feel sorry for him when you know what he's done. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and it also makes you think with. Um all the guilt that he has that maybe being isolated from everyone is a choice that he makes instead of it being something that's forced upon him. Uh, yeah, so he feels like, you know, he's got all this guilt and he feels like he doesn't belong in any world of either humans or vampires, so he isolates himself uh, out of choice. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Buffy's sort of talking to Giles about what happened and they do a little bit of research to try and do a little bit of research you can't find much on uh, this angel character at first until he goes into the watcher's diaries and uh they they find uh an angelus uh who's like 240 odd years old you know 224 age gap i mean we, we, we can work with that sure <laughs> Yeah, as long as you know, as long as as long as she's of legal age, then it's fine. I'm I'm not certain she is in America just yet, but we we'll uh, we won't go too much into that. Yeah, we'll just gloss over that part. <laughs> and um, but yeah, and Willow makes a comment about must have been embarrassing when you thought he read your diary. It's completely off topic. <laughs> uh, just another moment of Willow just being. Wellow, and it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, Xander finally sees a way to get rid of his competition. He's like, you've got to kill him. It's obvious <laughs> what you've got to do. Not that he would have any, you know, advantage for having Angel out of the way at all. No, no, I'm not. I'm not convinced it would really help his cause. But you know, you don't. You don't tend to think like that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Bless him. But uh, yeah, Buffy goes. Uh, Works out he probably lives somewhere near the Bronx, and the Bronx is sort of shut down for this fumigation thing. So it's quite good. It's very. I think it's a really good set, very atmospheric. The the empty the empty bronze and um, having the fight there. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and I thought the lighting was really really good as well. Um, with like the dark shadows and him hiding in the shadows and then coming out into the light. Um, I thought that was really really creative and the way that they were able to work in that space yeah yeah it's it's really cool and there's some quite good set pieces in this uh this sort of uh third act or whatever act it is uh Buffy and Angel have a little bit of a tussle but um Angel starts telling her that uh he's uh killed his family and uh, their friends and I did it all with a song in my heart and then he explains about killing the, the gypsy Romanian girl and uh, having the uh, the gypsy curse. And it, it's quite a good way of explaining a bit more about vampires as well, about, as well as about himself, that they can take your body, but they don't take your soul. And the gypsies found the perfect way to punish him. And they gave me my soul back because you have 
quite a telling line which says you have no idea what it's like to have done the things I've done and to care yeah and it's a really good um way to explain how vampires act the way they do uh because if you think about it they are either all psychopaths and they all um even when they were human they were all psychopaths and that's why they can kill as many humans as they need to survive but being able to take away the part of them that cares then it kind of makes it kind of seem like it's just second nature to them it's like like kind of like with humans it's like we like most most humans don't really care about you know where our food comes from but we'll still eat burgers and beef and bacon and all this kind of stuff so it kind of makes in a sense more sense <laughs> um so that the, the vampires are kind of like the food chain in a sense and you know yeah yeah, they're, they're kind of the the apex predator, basically. Yeah, because there's no one on the food chain that can feed on them, and yeah. it does. It, it's really interesting with Angel how how a vampire would act if they did have their soul back, and um, we also see the spike as well um, later on in the series, but he does it by choice, which I thought was a really really interesting development in his character especially where he starts off from yeah definitely and in he's things go very differently for him than they do for angel which is which is really cool but even for angel you know a vampire of a soul that could have been a very sort of roll your eyes sort of almost cliched kind of moment but they they play it off and and work it so well that it it never feels like that It, it always feels like a a, a well-deserved sort of and uh, put-together plot development, which is really cool. And uh, Gypsy Curse, I mean, I can't see anything going wrong there, can you? Uh, no, no, I think it's all going to be smooth sailing. Yeah, I, I am glad those Gypsy Curses, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seeing, seeing that Angel's not going to get the job done and, and kill Buffy, she sort of drops a weapon and um, presents her neck to him, but I think knowing that Angel's not going to be able to kill her, Darla springs up and she's brought a couple of little friends with her. Now, this is something you don't see very often in Buffy or Angel, and that's guns. It's probably one of a handful of episodes guns are actually used in the entire series, which for an American show is quite quite unusual. I know. I totally didn't see that coming. I must have totally just forgotten all about this because when she's pulled out the guns i'm like holy shit <laughs> it's like damn uh, i just was not expecting that at all and uh a show about vampires the vampires just pulling out two guns and just going to the town um, vampire guns must have seriously good clips as well because she fires a hell of a lot of rounds without having to reload oh yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah that shooting I think I think wherever Buffy it was was the safest place to stand because uh, didn't seem to be the greatest of aim. Well, she does she does manage to hit, hit Angel to be fair, but uh, yeah, there's quite a cool scene where she uh, Buffy sort of nail, uh, hits Darla onto the, flat on the back onto the pool table and kicks the pool table, and as she's sliding across the room, she's still firing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was 
really like a badass moment for Darla. Yeah, she was not letting anything stop her. No, she wasn't. And um, Buffy fires um, uh, a crossbow belt into Darla, but just misses the heart. And Darla plucks it out and chucks it to the side, which comes into effect quite shortly after. So that's quite a clever little moment, to be fair. Angel's able to grab that bolt and uh, jam it into Dala's heart. And, you know, sometimes vampires disintegrate straight away and other times, I suppose, dramatic effect, they they linger a bit longer and Dala lingers just long enough to sort of see that it was Angel that killed her. And I think she does reveal in a bit of a monologue that she, she made Angel as well. So she does get across that they, they do have a bit of a special episode, um, relationship and we we see um, how that came to be in a flashback in season two, I believe, which is quite cool. Yeah, and I totally forgot that Darla dies so early on because I for some reason, just assumed that she was in it a lot more, kind of like uh, with Spike and uh, I can't remember the other one's name. Uh, Drusilla. Drusilla, that was. And yeah, I just totally assumed that she was in more of it and I don't know why I forgot that. <laughs> that was a bit yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, originally, she's only in like a couple of episodes and yeah, she gets killed off but she comes back in flashback sequences and spoil and spoiler alert uh you don't want to know this just skip Mm -hmm. a couple of minutes but uh wolfram and heart bring her back in the season finale of the first season of angel that's why i remember it from yeah that's why i probably thought oh she's in it more because i remember her being in angel but again, uh, she's in surprise. She's still in surprisingly few episodes before she's uh, killed off again. But uh, yeah, she does. She does come back. She, she's she becomes quite. A, she's well. She's a very pivotal um, character, especially in Angel's backstory. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good because at at the start you assume that oh they were just lovers in the past and oh, she's just jealous that he's found a new flame or whatever. But then when you get that bombshell drop that she's the one that turned him, then it just makes that bond between them that much stronger than you originally thought it was. And you can even see it on Buffy's face. She's like, oh, I was not expecting that. So um, I thought that was really, really well done and a great development in the dynamic between Angel and Buffy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, not the first time she gets uh, a bit jealous of someone Angel used to hang around in the past as well, as we will see in season two. But yeah, we also just sort of played upon Angel's connection with Dala a bit more in his in his flashbacks in his own series when he sort of first lost his soul and well, first got his soul and lost his way. He does try to go back to Dala, but uh, she she won't. In the end, she won't have him with a soul. It's kind of like it's kind of like a soul for a vampire is like kind of like dirty to them. Yeah, it's like she wants to have fun, but the fun that she wants to have is the fun that Angel will just sit and mope about and not feel great about because it involves killing humans and 
he has a conscience now. Pesky conscious. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then sort of at the end we sort of see um the guys back in the in the bronze which is all open up. I mean I wonder if they noticed all like the the bullet casings and the the smashed glass <laughs> that, that Dala shot to oblivion and everything and did they go in and think, well, wasn't the pill table over there? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they must have got some, like, refurb done in between those two scenes. Mm. They must have been some big cockroaches, they said to themselves. <laughs> but, yeah, Angel's still there. She was like, I can, it's like, oh, I can still feel like he's he's watching me. And Willis says, well, yeah, yeah, you can. He, he's just over there. <laughs> yeah, and we see Xander give us some zingers uh, in this, this scene as well. He's like... You know, how's it going with the two of them? And Will is just kind of sitting there going, mm-hmm, it's fine. And then he's like, oh, good, as long as they're not kissing. And, he's, and Will's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's fair to mention that Willow at this point, um, before she uh, realises she's uh, she likes girls, she's got a bit of a crush on Xander at this point in time as well. So she's a little, so her heart's been broken as well, and she's watching Xander have affection for, for someone else. Oh, and I always, always feel bad because Willow is such a, a heart, like her heart's always in the right place, and you know, I just always just want her to be happy and I hate that she feels so like self-conscious and doesn't think she's good enough compared to other people and it's like come on Willow you have your you have your strengths you know there's someone out there that will love you for who you are exactly and she can do far better than Xander anyway bless her but she she does get some cool character development, especially in in season season two and three. We see her grow and develop and become more confident, which is, which is really cool. I like I like as I said in our opening podcast. I like the fact that the characters um, grow and develop. They don't just stay static like a uh, Mulder and Scully. Yeah, yeah, I always do. That's why I kind of like that it started off with them in high school because. Um, as the series progressed, not only did the characters grow in age, but the uh, the actors do as well. So they actually do look like they're in high school. So when they go into like college, they actually look like they're in college. And it's really good to kind of have the characters all develop and have their own arcs. And it's great because it feels like no one's getting left out. No one's just kind of there and not changing. Yeah, and when you're uh, like watching it, in real real time like I was uh, around 17 18 you kind of felt you was they were sort of growing up with you as well which was another little cool thing for for people of my age back in the day yeah and even Giles himself he also grows and learns and develops as well um which they could have easily just you know have him be the the wise teacher and nothing else but they don't they make it more complex yeah and uh i guess it'd be an episode we'll we'll cover when we get into season two shortly um he he has a very sort of surprising and complex backstory doesn't he Mm -hmm. um ripper is all i will say (laughs) 
So, um, how would you what how would you rate this episode then? I mean, for me, it's really strong. Um, I'm going to go all out and give it ten out of ten. Yeah, same here. I'll give it a ten as well because it just has such good moments in it, but it also has such key moments for development for the characters and uh, moments of great filmmaking as well. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got the comedy, the humor, you know, the, the humor. It's got um, the romance that can't be between Buffy and Angel. It's got action. I mean, my own, my only nitpick is that little scene between Buffy and Giles sparring where you can clearly see the stunt double for a, like half a second, but that's just <laughs> that's just splitting at hairs, really. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, overall, it's a really really strong episode and uh it really does kind of give us a lot of backstory uh, especially for angel which is really good yeah and it sets up a lot of things to come as well and in, in the future of both buffy and angel so it is a a really pivotal episode yeah so that's it have you got any anything you want to plug or promote before we sign off eh, not really <laughs> This is all I'm really doing at the moment. <laughs> I'll I'll just do my few pods. I uh, can catch the new football pod I'm doing with Liam at the moment called uh, Guns and Devils, where we talk uh, Manchester United and Arsenal and the Premier League uh, in general. So we've got two episodes of that out at the moment. And as always, you can find me with Scott with Podding Ain't Easy as we're discussing Hawkeye as and when it happens. Uh, have you been watching Hawkeye at all, Sam? Uh, not yet, because I'm really bad for watching week to week. I love just sitting and binging it all in one go. So I'll probably wait until uh, the last episode's about to air and then just binge all of it and then watch the last one when it airs. Yeah, seems a wise way. There's a couple of episodes that have ended on cliffhangers that me and Scott have been like, no, we've got to, we've got to wait a whole week to find out what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. It's like I hate that. I just, I, I, I'm so impatient. I'm too impatient. I need to, I need to know what's going on, and I hate the cliffhanger. I mean, this is how I used to have to watch Buffy back in the day, and if it was a, in the odd two parter. Which you got in uh, season two that ended on a cliffhanger, and you had to you had to wait. I think one year when it was on uh, the BBC, uh, they had to snooker on for a uh, for a week, so I had to wait three weeks for the next oh, episode. That is just awful. I, oh, that, I would be pulling my hair out at that point. It, it was a disgrace of the highest order. For snooker, all that for snooker, all that. Well, I actually quite like Snook. That's beside the point. (laughs) Angel was in dire peril and I needed to know. (laughs) But yeah, that's us done for now. We'll, We'll see you in possibly four weeks' time with more Buffy. Bye for now. Bye.